everyone, I'm Andrew Beer, EGM of WFI, and welcome to Good People to Know, a podcast discussing issues that affect regional Australia and the agricultural industry. Today's episode is the second part of my conversation with Fiona Simpson, President of the National Farmers Federation, about the National Farmers Federation's 2030 roadmap. In part one, we talked about the future of the Australian agricultural industry and the National Farmers Federation's target of achieving 100 billion in farm gate output by 2030. In part two, we discuss the risks of the plan and how we in the insurance industry can help support farmers. Fiona, just moving to, you know, with, with, with any, any business and, and any major strategic plan, there, there are risks to that plan being achieved. And um, I guess one of the things that, that's going to be important, it's critical, is um, uh, to adopt the new practices and technologies is around uh, the investment that's required. And I think there's been a call out that there is a you know, potential investment gap that we need to sort of overcome. Um, what do you see as a, as a hurdle and, and what's the solution to that? Yeah, um, I think, you know, part of it is definitely offshore capital. Um, and I think part of it is also being really targeted about where we actually do want that investment. Um, right now, we see a huge opportunity and post-COVID's never been a better time to talk about it, um, about regionalisation and regional growth. And, you know, I think COVID really exposed everybody to just how, uh, I guess, how, how, how we're absolutely dependent on other countries for a lot of the things that we do and use, particularly on farms. So all our inputs, a lot of our manufactured goods, um, a lot of things that, that we absolutely still use on farm here have to come in from overseas. Now, if we look at growing our regional areas and the money that's needed to actually in those regional areas to grow our infrastructure, some of the technology and develop some of that technology that we're talking about, um, then in actual fact, you know, we need the money to come into those regional areas and we need the, the expenditure to be developing some of that technology, expanding some of the infrastructure, whether it's hard or soft infrastructure, developing some of that value-adding technology um, and, and facilities that we need in regional Australia. Um, there's a huge amount of opportunity at the moment for capital to help agriculture grow and achieve that $100 billion target. Yeah, and I think capital finds its way to great opportunities. So, so I think again that the work the the NFF and the whole the farming sector is doing, promoting the twenty thirty roadmap, um, will certainly highlight to to investors the the opportunity that we do we do have. So, again, I think you know, capital will follow good opportunity. Hopefully, look. Hopefully, I mean, I think right now with the amount of optimism in Australia's farm sector, um, you see the the land prices are at an all time high. Um, and there's a huge amount of interest. And so now with government committing to that 2050 target in terms of the climate change, that is, even though, you know, they're always, people are always wanting them to do more. And yes, we always have to strive to do more. Um, we are getting more certainty now. And, and I think certainty helps investors actually come. Um, and NFF were successful. We lobbied earlier in terms of um, Infrastructures Australia expenditure list. What are some of the projects that make Infrastructure Australia's list? And one of those things was the discount rate, which really front-ended um, the assessment process for a lot of the, the um, investments that Infrastructure Australia recommend. And so we've actually lobbied to change that and make it um, more uh, as they do in other countries where the, the, um, the, the, um, it's, it's spread out over the life of the, 
the, the benefit is spread out over the life of the asset. And so those that things like that should help actually um, some investment money and investment certainty, I guess, in our industry. Uh, and then also, I guess, focusing on this renewed push for what does regionalisation look like? What do the regions look like? We want successful regions. We think government should pick 20 regions and really help them to work out what they're good at and then bring the capital in from private investors, bring government capital in as well to support it and be really strategic about it. Uh, we can't have a scattergun approach. Investors are not gonna wanna come into this sort of scattergun, go where you like approach. They want strategies, they want targeted government decisions to support their investments. And if we can all focus on that, private and public together, then I think again, we're on a real winner in terms of regional growth. Founder, Australian farmers not not only feed uh, everyone across Australia, but we also send a lot of our our produce across the globe. Um, and you know, not everyone would realise that around seventy percent of Australia's ag output uh, is exported. So it is a trade exposed industry. And I guess in recent times we've seen increased tariffs imposed by by China. Um, there's free trade talks with the EU and other other countries that are in various stages of negotiation or even have been paused at times. Um, and you know, the concern of further tariffs being imposed. How do you see the recent deterioration of trade uh, relationships as barriers? Are, are they a barrier to 2030 or do you think we'll overcome them? Look, trade is um, a key pillar. Um, as you say, exporting 70% of what we produce overseas um, means we are hugely, hugely exposed to what happens in other countries and policies that other countries have. Um, and when a big market like China, for example, um, starts to have some issues and many of our commodities hugely exposed in that market because they're a really valuable market for us, then it is concerning. And I think everybody um, is concerned and has been concerned about what's been happening in that relationship. But one of the things, I guess, in Australia that we have learned, and we learned it if we go back to when the UK first joined the EU back in, hmm, might have been 79, I think, um, around about then, um, then we nearly had all our trading eggs in the one basket with the UK. Um, we Most of our product went there. We had a huge relationship and we traded almost exclusively very little outside the UK. And so when they joined the EU and got a preferential deal in the EU, then that was disastrous for Australian agriculture. And so since then, we've learned our lesson. And if you look at now the picture of where we trade and how we trade and what we trade, it's incredibly diverse, incredibly diverse. We, we export beef, for example, to something like 57 markets, 57 different, different markets across the world take our beef. And a lot of our commodities, um, particularly our really well-developed commodities like grains, beef, etc., um, sheep, that, they're all very, very diverse markets where we don't have all our eggs in the one basket. And so with some of those commodities now, um, we're looking again at partnerships that we've had that we could grow stronger, um, partnerships with countries like Japan. Um, partnerships with well new partnerships with which it, so Japan's an old partnership and it's always good to to go back and refresh and see how else we can build that up. But we've also got new partnerships with countries like Indonesia. Um, and Indonesia is a growing economy. COVID's thrown all of this into a bit of doubt for a while, but. 
Indonesia is a hugely you know, growing economy with lots of market opportunities because it's so close on our doorstep for some of our really perishable items, um, items like horticulture um, and maybe even seafood. Um, India is another country that we haven't done a lot with and we were poised to go in there just as COVID happened. Um, but I think, again, we really, it's an emerging economy. It has an emerging middle class just like China does. And so right now, um, the government's been really supportive in, in first of all, um, helping the commodities that are hugely exposed to China, like seafood, for example, really have another look at some of the opportunities globally, um, some of our existing markets where we could expand and do more with seafood. Um, and also, I guess, making sure that we as um, agriculture just make sure we're aware of the risks of, of being too exposed in one particular market. Um, we like a diverse range of markets. We want to make sure we can maintain that. Um, we are known, even though we export 70% of what we produce, the other thing people often don't know is that we're a very small producer. You know, globally, if you compare the tonnes of product that we have, the tonnes of grain or the tonnes of beef, whatever it is, it's very small. Um, so it's almost niche compared to countries like America or, or Russia. Um, and it's very high quality. So we want to make sure that we can preserve the quality. We want to make sure we can keep our customers happy. And that then helps us withstand the shocks of sometimes if a relationship breaks down for a little while, whatever the, whatever the reason. Um, we're more Team Australian Agriculture, so we go in and talk to our peers particularly, so the farmer groups, at the moment we've been talking a lot actually around climate change, to the farmer groups in countries like the UK with whom we're just about to sign a, a new FTA, um, with the EU. Um, who we've got a, an FTA on the boil uh, and with countries like New Zealand who are very like us anyway and we have a lot in common and countries like um, South Africa and so we go in and, and we um, form relationships predominantly with those organisations who are often very influential with their governments and, um, and we want to make sure that they totally understand Australian agriculture. Sometimes we do exchanges we've had French farmers coming um, over to Australia and hosting them for a week while we, we toured actually up here in the Liverpool Plains and through the Hunter Valley and showed them you know what Australian agriculture is really like um, we wanted to dispel some of the myths they had dispel some of the concerns they had so Europe has you know a view that nobody can have the sort of animal welfare that they have nobody can have you know the, they're concerned about things like GM for example um, whereas we could we can show them and talk to them exactly what it is from a whole of team Australian agriculture basis so um, it really it means that um, we can we can do a lot of the soft diplomacy, I reckon, um, you might say, and, and even talking to trade ministers and the Cairns group of farm leaders when we're promoting a level playing field and no subsidies. We're not subsidised in Australia. We think it's in our in everyone's interest to have no no subsidies worldwide. And so through the WTO, you know, we formed a group called the Cairns Farm Leaders um, that that actually promotes that. So yeah, it's it's a great role. Um, it's involved in across all the commodities. I guess while they do their technical stuff, we do the whole the whole of, of agriculture stuff. Exciting sort of part of the part of the NFF's role. Yeah, it is. Um, I, I really enjoy it, and even um, other things too, Andrew. I think that people don't always think about when they're thinking about trade, but you know relationships are really deep you know personal relationships are deep and um country to country relationships can be quite deep too so just this week 
I was talking to the Japanese Women's Innovation Network um, online, but 200 women um, who were really interested in NFF's diversity work. So um, as part of our 2030 roadmap, um, we do have targets about trade and sustainability and capital and things, and we also have targets around diversity and workforce. And we've been running um, a really successful diversity and ag leadership program, which, which you're part of, um, where we promote the diversity of agriculture to promote women getting involved at the highest levels of our organisations and in representative roles and promote the benefits of, of having um, a more diverse workplace. And so these Japanese women were really, really interested in how we actually got that to happen in Australia and um, why we got it to happen and some of the, the really um, nitty-gritty, I guess, about how diverse workplaces work. And, and so some of that soft diplomacy too um, is just a fascinating part, again, of my job um, in talking to groups like that and promoting Australia, um, promoting Australian agriculture and, and promoting some of the values, I think, that drive us as family farmers and also, you know, stakeholders um, involved in agriculture too. It's a great industry to be in. You mentioned uh, diversity in farming and WFI certainly is very, very pleased to be a, to be a part of that initiative. And um, just, you know, mentioning WFI and the insurance side of things, um, uh, you know, the insurance industry plays an important role in, in supporting and protecting farmers, you know, against the when, when things go wrong and uh, the weather's not kind and the like. Um, what role do you see the insurance, insurance industry playing uh, in the plan over the next sort of seven, eight years? Yeah, look, we absolutely rely on that safety net. Um, as you've already said, you know, there's a lot of things that could go wrong and we've talked about some of the things that can go wrong on farms. Um, we're, yes, we're hugely trade exposed, but we're also really, really weather exposed. Um, and um, if, if something happens on our farm um, that, that is from a weather event or an event like a fire or something like that, um, you know, it can have a devastating impact on our business because the way our businesses are structured in Australia, particularly if we're thinking about cropping, um, our income comes just at one time of the year. Some people just have one opportunity in a year to collect their whole year's income. And so it's incredibly stressful if something happens that actually takes something out of the out of your business for that for that period of time or if, if an accident happens or if a, um, a, a something happens that's totally out of your control or just an accident happens and so that's why we do need safety nets um, and we need the support of companies like WFI that can actually understand our businesses understand how we work agriculture is a little bit different to a lot of the other um, businesses and industries that we have in Australia and um, it's really important to have a partner like WFI that's actually going to stand by um, on your farm when things go wrong. You talked earlier about the importance of data and being able to use data for, for insight. I think, again, there's a role the insurance industry can play where you know, we do see um, the, the unfortunate side of things when things go wrong. And farms, are, I think, are, are a unique um, business where they're also they're a business and also quite often a home. Um, with you know with children, large animals, um, all, all dams and all sorts of things. So I think again, the more we can share and work with farmers as a as a as the insurance body, not not just WFI, but just to highlight uh, some of the things that do happen from time to time and unfortunately happen to uh, to, to share in that knowledge. I think there's, there's there's a lot more we can do there to help you know, in, in that risk mitigation and risk prevention um, part of the business. Yeah, and and we're really um, that's a that's an area that we're also intensely interested in. Um, NFF now runs um, farm farm safe um, and making sure that our 
farms are as safe as they possibly can be, that people are as safety aware as they possibly can be. I mean, they always say don't work with children and animals. Yes, you're right, we've got them all on the farm. Um, plus, plus big machines, plus, you know, the level of stress that happens because you can't do anything about the weather at harvest time. All of the things that you would think would drive people mad um, are involved in a farm business and farmers are a, a really special type of person because they just seem to roll with it and just go with it. Um, but the more we can mitigate risks, um, whether it's in our control or bringing somebody else in who can take some of that risk for us, then um, that absolutely helps us run our businesses, um, run our farms, run our families, run our homes um, and continue to, to really, you know, contribute well. So our time's coming on end, although I feel we, we could probably chat for a, a whole lot longer, but I'd really like to thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Fiona. For more information on the National Farmers Federation 2030 Roadmap, head to nff.org.au.